Hello, this is Wayne Highlander. I'm National Sales Manager of Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bone Training. Hey, Rob, let me ask you something. So, what are you doing in this scenario? You schedule a job, you're going to install 1,000 square feet. Job's coming up in three weeks. Homeowner's excited to get the floors done. She's going to go on vacation while you're doing them. The builder's got it scheduled for you to get in there and get the floors done because behind you, like every job, he's probably got out of sequence. The tile guys are coming. The painters are coming. That's the week for you to do the job. You got two guys that are going to help you install this floor and sand and finish it. You show up to the job site and the, you know, you've been checking the moisture all along, you know, knowing the job is coming up, but you show up that day at the job site and you stick the moisture meter one more time and it's still too wet. What do you do? I scramble. Now I have to scramble. Hopefully I can find something to put into that week that I've probably don't have anything because I was assuming it's going to be an install. Hopefully I have some sort of a backup plan. We used to once in a while. We'd have, you know, something else going on. Hopefully we could code or something, but that was a killer. That would absolutely, that was the worst thing that could happen to us because everybody is scheduled. Everybody's ready to go and the subfloor is not. Or, and we did this a couple of times, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I know what I'll do. I'll put down two layers of sub of, uh, two layers yeah. of felt paper <laughs> instead of one. And cross my right. fingers and maybe even change my phone number. It was a nightmare. There was nothing good was going to come from that. You know, it's almost unfair because, you know, you're left with two choices. You're right. You can either roll the dice, lay the floor and hope to God it doesn't cup on you. You don't get that call. Isn't that a terrible call to get, by the way? Have you ever had that call when the floor's cupped? Yeah, I had it from my daughter. I had it from my own kid. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know, you're never supposed to do jobs for relatives, man. Family and because friends. Because that way you, you see them at Christmas, you see them at Thanksgiving. Hey, Rob. Hey, buddy, you're here. I just want to show you something about your floor. That's a no-no. Uh, by the way, I had a rule, too, for my family and friends. Because, I, you know, we lived in California where real estate would go through the roof. Um, the rule was this. If I sand your floor... And I do it for free or I just do it for a cost. If you sell that house within a year, I'm $4 a square foot. All right. So when you get that big cash out from your from your house, then there's, you know, I'm not fixing, I'm not doing the floors so you can sell it. I'll do the floors because I love you and you're my family or I'm obligated and you're my family more likely. <laughs> but you're right. You got two choices. You got, you can roll the dice and hope to God you don't get that call. Or you can say, you know what, which is the right thing to do. The moisture's too high. We can't take a chance. We're, we're, you know, the thing, everything's not right. We're going to have to delay, delay the job. And uh, what, Rob, what does that look like? That's a day of fishing and golfing and not making any money. And now, I mean, one of the worst or the toughest parts of this job, one of the biggest challenges is the schedule. I remember sometimes I'd make out the schedule like I, for like 30 days ahead of time or 60 days. And I, I'd have all the jobs locked in and perfectly in the weeks. We end this one. We start this one. This one drop off the wood. I'd have a perfect schedule. And then the calls would start. Wayne, I'm sorry, we're, we're behind schedule. Or Wayne, my daughter's sick. I have to stay home from work. And, you know, then oh, now we're scrambling. There's nothing worse than something affecting your schedule. That was uh, one of the reasons my, uh, my old partner and I, we really started to stray away from builders and, and just do private homeowners. 
because they were it, it, they were so tough on the schedule. Whether the subfloor wasn't ready or they weren't ready, it just it got to be too much of a nightmare. We're at least homeowners. You could set a better schedule. I always saw it. You know, you know it's funny because uh, we had a balance of of uh, three. Uh, we had the homeowners that we could pretty much rely on the, on their being on schedule, and uh, we worked for a lot of designers and, and architects and stuff, and and, uh, and and builders. But I was very particular on the builder. Uh, you know, and I've said in another podcast, you can always tell a good builder because it's the same crews that are showing up all the time. It's the same tile guy that was on the last project with you. It's the same painter. That's usually a builder that's that's got his act together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, did you ever try yeah, my you, system, the old double felt? That'll that'll do it, or thirty pound felt? Yeah, yeah. I I then we tried pituthane, and we've you know every other way of trying to get the moisture down. But the reality of it is, if that floor is too high, it's going to cup. That's just the way it is. So. What if I told you, Rob, for like 20, maybe 25 cents, I could take 99% of those problems away from you? I wouldn't believe a word you're saying. I don't blame you. All right. I've known you I'm for a while. About, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about this, man. What is this, this podcast I, about anyways? It's about the new Bona R540. Yeah. Mr. Barry. There we go. Yeah. I'm excited about this one, Rob. Uh, you know, we've, as you know, I've had this out in Europe for a long time and uh, brought it to the States here recently, and, and um, which has this been a very successful product for us. It's a one-component polyurethane primer, moisture barrier. And it's for, and I'm just going to get a little technical here for a minute, for uh, priming absorbent and non-absorbent substrates prior to the use of bone adhesives. So it has vapor, vapor retarding abilities, um, so what this does, it allows you to get on the floors and install a lot quicker. You know, the NWFA says if you're within more than two percentage points on a plank floor, which is defined by anything three inches and over, you need to be within two percentage points, right? And for a strip floor... Two percentage points like of what? Quarter, between the subfloor and the finished floor. Ah, okay. In moisture. In moisture. There you Sorry. go. That's all right. That's why I'm uh, here. I appreciate that. That's why I'm I was wondering here. why you were there. Yeah. Yeah. I do yeah. a lot of listening in these podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of listening. Yes. People talking um, about cats scratching their eyeballs and yeah. walking on their walking belly. across my stomach. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. There Good. we go. Um, Where were you? And, I, and uh, four percentage points for strip flooring, right? And, and we know that if it's higher than that, there's a likelihood the floor is going to cup. And in today's fast-paced construction, building paper is not really much of a deterrent for that. Now we have this this uh, uh, Bona R five forty. Yeah, yeah. Now we got this vapor retarder that can protect you all the way up to twenty percent on a wood subfloor. Twenty percent. I'm I'm stoked about it, man, because uh, the feedback we've been getting, we've obviously had it. Tested out in the field for a long time before we even brought it. I'm training uh, uh, today. Uh, today, let me interrupt you because that's what I do best. Today, you mentioned that 20, percent so I got to get this out there before I forget it. Uh, had a crew in there. We have a new BCC crew that I'm training here, at the Jersey Training Center, and started to talk to him about the R540, and I told him about this 20 percent 
up to 20%. You're going to get the, the moisture protection that you need, everything. Come to find out this guy has been killed this summer by exactly what we were talking about. Job after job after job was delayed because we had some amazing humidity this year in the Jersey metro area, and it was just knocking him out. When I told him about this, he grabbed the can. He's reading the back. He's, oh, my God, oh, my God, where can I get this? Can I get So it's amazing. I mean, all kidding aside, what we were just talking about, you know, to this guy, it's going to be an absolute game changer. Yeah, this has been the pretty um... – I mean, I've known we've we're going to bring this over for quite some time now, and I'm, I've been pretty excited about it. So we still want the contract to do the due diligence, right? You still want that, you know. I mean, you need to prepare the 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 house for the floors, and then bring in and acclimate the wood to the house, and then, um, you know. So there's two different type of moisture you need to worry about in the house, right? I mean, one of them is the moisture from underneath, and the other is is uh, the uh, relative humidity in the air. So this one can take the moisture from underneath the house unless you're over 20% out of the equation, which I don't know about you, Rob, but, you know, when the floor trade is a funny trade. You know, most businesses, when you've you've done the transaction with them and, you you know, they give you a call three months down the road or six months down the road, you go, oh, great. But in the floor business, <laughs> not so much. It's one of those businesses where if you get that call three or four months down the road, it might not be the call that you want. And getting that, you know, that's one thing that that we worry the most about after the floors were done, you know, uh, the floors cupping or shrinking or what have you. Um, and cupping is a, you know, it's it's a tough tough call to get. And we live by the. I will say, I mean, I you know, I I, I we did a real good job of acclimating the wood the way it's supposed to be acclimating, what have you. And I'm I'm not going to. Uh, I'd be dishonest if I didn't say we'd have a floor cup once in a while. So I think this is huge, Rob. I think it takes away one of the biggest concerns after the job is done out there, uh, especially with the uh, the uh, the labor shortage and what it does to your schedule. I mean, man, it, it wreaks havoc on your schedule to have to, to move something unexpectedly. So uh, yeah, there were, there were, this is uh, this is going to be a big one for us. How's it been going so far? I, I, oh, it's been great. I, I think it's been so fantastic. The, I mean. Just from what I'm, the feedback I'm getting at the schools when we're talking about it and showing up to it. And I, I mean, the other great thing about this stuff is how easy it is to use. I mean, it doesn't get much more simple than this. No. So on a wood subfloor, you just, all you need to do is roll out one coat. We don't want you to put any more than one coat on there, as a matter of fact. And um, on a concrete slab, now listen, Rob, this is, this is interesting. On a concrete slab, if you're using our adhesive with our standard trowel, you only need one coat to get you to 18 pounds. Okay, so on a concrete slab, one coat brings you to 18 pounds if you're using our adhesive. You know, uh, our adhesive right out of the pail, with getting about 50, 55 square feet per gallon, you're going to get 12 pounds anyhow of moisture protection. Mm -hmm. And uh, now by adding the 541st, uh, now that one coat... With our adhesive, we'll bring 18 pounds, which I'm stoked about. It's uh, The feedback, like I said, has been fantastic. You getting guys using more calcium chloride or probe testing? Uh, you know, it's interesting because um, I'd say it's kind of split down the middle. As you know, I, I think you know, uh, I know you know, the RH test is a much better test. 
right? <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and give you go ahead and give you credit. The R the That's RH test because you weren't talking about it. Yeah, the RH test is a much better test. I said it before. It's, it's if you look at the difference between an RH test and a calcium chloride test. To me, the calcium chloride test is like an X-ray of the slab, whereas uh, RH test is like an MRI. Right? It's going to you know you're, you're now you're drilling in forty percent into that slab. You're getting a better reading of actually what's going on. Or the calcium chloride test is just going to measure the very top of that slab. Uh, by the way, uh, while we're at it, I will say that I'm willing to bet that ninety nine percent of the people that do a calcium chloride test do them incorrectly, and I was one of those guys for a while. So when you do a calcium chloride test, you're supposed to bring it to the job site 24 hours ahead of time. And where you're going to place the test, you should also scour the slab, you know, in those areas 24 hours ahead of time. And then you need three calcium chloride tests per thousand square feet. And two of them should be side by side, which will correlate. You know, one can't come back at three pounds and one right next to it come back at nine pounds. You know, this kind of correlates your math and everything. And um, those two should be within three feet of the outside wall. That way you would expect more water intrusion from those areas. So, But I know a lot of guys do, don't do uh, moisture testing. And this way, if you're not going to do moisture testing, at least you're going into a gunfight with a loaded gun. My dad used to be able to do calcium chloride tests without the calcium chloride. Is, say that one more time. My, <laughs> my dad would do calcium chloride tests without using calcium chloride tablets. And how would he uh, manage he that? He would get duct tape, plastic. Yeah. He would put okay. plastic on the subfloor, the concrete, and then we come back the next day, and whether it was dry or whether it was a little moisture, little droplets or whatever was on that plastic, he'd say, okay, uh, that's good. We're good to go. Let's do it. That was That was Johnson moisture testing back then. Wow. Well, you know, he was on the right path. You know, I mean, uh, we so never I, not did it. We always did it. We always. Like no kidding. Feet. Yeah. A lot of guys will put down the plastic and duct tape or use a heavy black rubber mat or whatever. You know, the NWFA recognizes those two tests. And so I always say it's a good idea to do your due diligence. Uh, I'd say that no matter what manufacturer I was working for, it's just best practices. So, um, yeah, man, this is uh, this is big for us. Also, with Advantech, for guys laying on Advantech R adhesive, it's going to bond much better if you uh, use this as a primer over Advantech. I think one of the best parts about it, I had a call from my son about uh, about a year ago, and he said, "Hey, um, you know, I'm laying a five inch. I'm going to do that glue nail assist like you were talking to me about." I said, "Okay, great." He goes, uh, "What do I do with the felt paper?" And I was like, "Huh." <laughs> yeah, what do you do with the felt paper? I said, well, you can't do glue nail assist with the felt paper, so you can't use the felt paper. And he goes, well, if I can't use the felt paper, what am I going to use for a moisture barrier? It's it's five inch. So we were kind of, uh, you know, and I know a lot of people have had that same same question. So what have you been telling Wayne? Yeah, so the, the five Did my son call you the- on that first, or did he come to me? Because I... I I, 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 I know he's backdooring me a lot and going right to you, but have you noticed the questions from him been really dropping off? <laughs> I haven't heard from him because <laughs> now I was I'll, assuming that he's just really turning into a master craftsman, and 
you know, he doesn't need to. So, so he's been going to you. Is that what we're saying? You got a great kid, man. I will say that he has a ton of respect for you because he doesn't want to hurt your feelings. But there's been times when I, I go, what's that sound? And he's, he goes in your pantry and makes calls to me or sometimes in the basement or in a closet. And I hear you watching TV and talking to Pauline, watching Ironsides, you know, in the background as he's asking me these technical questions. So to answer your question, this, this works hand in hand with our our 850T sausages because, you know, we get the question from time to time, you know, look, I want to use the sausages for a myriad of reasons, but I, uh, I'm worried that I'm not putting building paper down. Well, now there you go. You've got your protection with the building paper, uh, or excuse me, for not using building paper, and uh, you can use the sausages. And by the way, for you guys doing wide plank floors, wide plank, wide plank glue downs, I'll get it right. Come on. You can and, do it. Uh, and yes. And um, are using the uh, the sausages, be aware that our, the, the, they're such a great fit for wide plank. I mean, the PSI, the shear strength on the sausages is really high. So excellent shear strength made for these wide plank uh, glue assist floors. So wait, wait, speaking wait, of building, wait. You, yeah, you got to yeah. tell somebody what shear strength is. Okay. So, Hey, use your weightlifting wants- analogy. I'd love that one. That's, that's one of my okay. favorite analogies of yours. Come on. Okay. So shear strength, when the floor wants to go into motion from side to side, it's the shear strength in the adhesive that what stops it from moving. Okay. Really good shear strength is there's a lot of power to stop a floor from moving. Uh, you know, if you uh, want to want to see what that looks like, glue down a seven inch hickory floor with a, a, a adhesive that doesn't have a lot of shear strength. And and a lot of manufacturers when I when I would kind of do comparisons between okay, well you know which has got the most shear strength or whatever, and I you know I'm really we're very, we're very actually transparent with our, with our adhesive. We want you to look at ours and look at the competitors. So when I started doing that, when I went on this journey to look at, you know, our shear strength versus others, what I would get a lot of times is I either couldn't find it at all. It wasn't listed or there would be like a lot of marketing verbiage, like holds really good or really holds tough. But, you know, I was like, I was saying, if I could bench press 400 pounds, I'm going to work that into pretty much every conversation. If I can only bench press 80 pounds, I'm probably not going to talk about it. You know, the sheer strength on our adhesive is tremendous. What is it? And uh, it's 335 PSI. That's, so that's with, probably with, uh, right around what you bench. Ah, well, ah. okay. You know, I was, there was a time, Rob. I never got to 335. You played some ball, to, right? You played some I, ball in your I, day. I was 188 pounds in bench press three. And that, let me get this clear because uh, this is like fishing. Everybody's got a story. But I uh, bench pressed 320. Oh. And that's with. with no, no, no. Oh, no, no. With, oh, that, wow. Listen, uh, wow. Uh, no. Okay. Okay. You you brought it up. I never. I, and I, I never, never, I never asked you what do you bench. Okay. Then I'm going to leave it out. No, you're already. It's too late. Uh, 320. All right. 180 I got it one pounds time in benching my life. 320. Yes. I went to the gym that day to lift weights. I hit that and I went home. That was that. That's all I did because I was so happy I got it because it was a, a bucket list thing for me, um, and it was actually you know your butt is perfectly on the bench and you're and you're flat on the bench. You're not you know, there's nothing uglier than seeing a guy bench press ugly. Man, you know when it comes when it comes down bouncing off the chest or it comes down like halfway to the chest and 
the guy's butt is like, you know, a foot off the bench, that don't count. You want those feet oh, wearing one, or, firm or, on the ground or military yeah, style, absolutely. right? Yes. Now, to trust me, it's gone all downhill from there. And the reason I hate <laughs> how old the reason were you? I hate how, uh, when you bench three twenty, how old were you? Senior? I, I think I was like no, I was like twenty four. Oh, I got, oh, this I is got, this is after football. Oh yeah, I got stronger after high school. You should. You're a man now. <laughs> um, I mean. But the reason I never mentioned it, because whoever, anybody out there lifting weights, I, here's, the, here's the way this works. And this used to make me so mad. I'd be lifting in the gym every day, you know, lifting heavy and, you know, working my butt off. And I don't care who you meet. They go, oh, oh what are you benching? What do you bench? And they know, somebody, they know somebody who benches more. I don't care what number you throw out, somebody's going to throw out a bigger number. So I never usually talk about it. In fact, I apologize for even mentioning the 320. That's okay. But, hey, yeah, like you say. Yeah. If you could squeeze it into uh-huh. a conversation, you're gonna. Yes. And you well, did. I certainly, <laughs> I certainly didn't hold back. You did I? got it in there, baby. Yes. I didn't even get in and get into the squats. <laughs> but that's maybe for another conversation. We don't need to go into squats. <laughs> oh, my God. So, did you ever did no, you watch any Saturday Night Live? Did you ever watch that? I did until it went south. It, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's lost a lot, there, but. There's their viewership a, is down. Their viewership is down thirty five percent. It's because they're they they just lost focus. I, I think yeah. they've really you lost gonna, focus of what they used to do. Are you going to talk about Hans and Franz? No, no. I am going to talk about Google this. Go watch it. They did a skit called "What Do You Bench?" Oh no, kidding! And it was you know like six or seven of the Saturday Night Live guys sitting on a brick wall. Okay. David Spade, Adam Sandler, um, Chris Farley, a couple of the other guys, okay? And they all had huge bodies, right? Big big arm, big muscle, the whole thing. But these tiny, skinny little, like, puppet legs. It's hysterical, okay? But the funniest part was they used David Spade's real legs. (laughs) Yeah. He's sitting next to Farley, and Farley keeps poking his leg. It was, it, it was one of the funniest skits you ever saw. Them just screaming at people, funny. and that was the name of the skit. Hey, it was, it was a TV show called "Hey, What Do You Bench?" So that's hilarious. I want you to. I know you had a rough yeah. day. I want you to go back watch that tonight. But the funny part was David Spade was the only guy using his real legs instead of the skinny puppet legs. That's pretty funny. That was a good one. And it's so true. Yes. And, 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 you, you know, know those guys. Know. Absolutely. I threw and the I shot put and I, played hockey in high school. So when we lifted weights, it was arms, legs. It was for everything. Yeah. Because you need all, well, you, you know, the, you need the power, leg power just as much as arm power for shot put yeah. and hockey. And well, you would the see that, the guys who were just, weren't working. They were just upper body guys. And, uh-huh. and you could always tell them at the beach too. They had the guys there wearing long pants. Well, I uh, I remember uh, I worked out with this guy one time, and he was that. I mean, he's one of these guys that worked out the arms all the time and the chest. That was he never worked his legs, and he and and he you know he was he had a good build from the top up, but he had zero legs. So, uh, but they get the girls. Though. When, they do get the girls. No, no. Listen, yeah, we they, were out at a bar. We were, we were out at a bar. And a girl was talking to him, and she, and she goes, I know what you do. He goes, what? She goes, you're a, 
what the, uh, like a like a gymnast, <laughs> like one of those guys would have no no legs at all, and it was a huge insult to him. <laughs> a gymnast. So we used to call him a gymnast after that. Not that there's anything wrong with being a gymnast. Oh no, no. And listen, I'm going to tie this back to floors. Huh? Uh, that that same guy, we hired him to do floors with us as an apprentice. The gymnast. And, and I mean, yeah. How'd he do? So. Uh, I mean, he uh, he was built like Mike Tyson from the top up. I mean, the guy was 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 built like a rock, and uh, I sent him out with my brother Doug, and I thought, man, that's great. We got this guy. I mean, he's a real big, tough guy. He's going to be great. My Doug's my brother Doug's a lot smaller than him, and uh, but Doug's you know he's a tough kid himself. He played ball. He's wiry. And uh, Doug's wiry. A couple of days later, yeah. So a couple of days later, I asked I asked Doug. I said, how's uh, how's he working out? He goes, man, I don't think he's going to make it. I said, yeah, be kidding me. He goes, no, man, I don't I don't know if these guys are gonna make it or not. So I sent him out with my other brother John. John, my other brother John. And um, you know, he's out with her for a few days and and he he called me up. He goes, Hey man, this guy's not gonna go. I go, What do you mean? He goes, Nah, man, he he, he's, he just doesn't know how to work hard, man. So I saw the guy in the gym and I said, Hey, how's it going? He goes, Hey man, I, I appreciate it, man, but I, I think I'm gonna go back to driving the truck. I said, What happened? He goes, Man, I'm not working that hard, man. I can't work that hard and then come out work out in the gym same time so <laughs> you were interfering with his workouts yeah the job was too so, hard he was too tired yeah yeah so he looked good though but you know you gotta work you gotta be tough hey what were we talking about anyways the 540 oh i think we got everything yes. on that i think so i'm i'm happy about it again i'll just go over real quick one coat. That's all we want you to do on a concrete slab. Going to run you around 20, 25 cents, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, that'll stop all the worries about the schedule, the cupping, the moisture issues, and job delays. And, uh, you know, you also, if you can pass this cost on, if you think about it, right now for floor cups, it's on the contractor, right? Right. 100%, 100%. If you can pass this cost on to the homeowner, it's like an insurance that they're paying your insurance so you don't have to get that call that the floor cups. And uh, um, so, yeah, we're, we're pretty stoked about it. And it's been a great product for us. One, one coat on a, on a plywood subfloor subflo- ply- or wood subfloor. And um, it brings up to 20% moisture protection. And one coat over on a concrete slab brings you up to 18 pounds and 95 RH. One coat if you use an adhesive. And this has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne Highlander and Rob Johnson. Uh, Please stay tuned for another episode.